Welcome and thank you for taking the time to listen to the Word of God released through Randolph Barnwell. Randolph is the founder and senior elder of Gate Ministries Durban Central. Be encouraged to access free additional resources for your edification at randolphbonnell.com. Great grace, peace and mercy from Christ be multiplied to you as you listen to this teaching. We spoke about at the last sitting the primary effects of grace. We, we spoke about two predominant effects that grace has within the life of the Son of God. Remember those two effects where grace will configure you who you are as a son of God. And grace will also authorize, sanction, and energize or empower your, your function in, in God. So both who you are and what you're called to do, grace seeks to attend those two realities. So in Paul's language, I am what I am by the, by the grace of God. And he says, I work, yet not I, but grace that is present with me. In Paul's mind, grace was given to him to reveal the Son of God in him, that he might preach the same Son or Christ among the Gentiles. So whenever you think of grace, which we define as composition or makeup of everything that is spirit, so it's the texture of spirit, it's the constituent element that makes God as spirit, spirit, he has a texture to him, he has a component within him, his being as spirit, that we call, we call the grace of God, which is quintessentially his core being or his core nature, right? That is his grace that comes to us at the point of our initial salvation and entrance into the kingdom as pure unmerited favor, nothing we could do to earn it. Uh, but he calls us by his grace, or would say he called me by his grace. So by grace I am saved. Through faith and not of works, lest any man should boast. But I said to you, once having entered into the kingdom by grace, you are expected to continue in the kingdom in maturation of your sonship by the same factor that got you in, which is grace. So you never stop uh, living outside of the economy of, of grace. I told you grace is like an estate that you come into. It's an inheritance around that you enter into. And you start to live life by the power of the grace of God. All that you're meant to become is going to be by the grace of God. The thing that got you in is going to be the thing that's designed to mature you. So the constant reception of grace is designed to take you from infant sonship or nepios status into a uio status of mature sonship. Uh, later on I may demonstrate to you progression from every phase of sonship, the all five phases of sonship. Your evolution and your growth and upgrade into higher expressions of maturity is going to be dependent upon your consistent reception of the grace of God. So I pray that um, you would be uninterrupted in your reception of grace. Never ever let there be an interruption. An interruption or pause in grace reception is tantamount to uh, stopping one's momentum of growth in the kingdom. And what you and I are going to need more profoundly in the weeks and months to come are huge and huge, more more larger downloads, if you would, of the grace of God that needs to attend us. What's going to give you the distinction, the edge, the advantage, I said, is nothing more than the grace of, of God. Remember, First uh, Peter 3, 7 calls this grace, the grace of life. Right? The life of God is embedded within his grace. I said this to you based upon John 1, that when this grace comes to you, the nature of God, the essence of God, with spirit, it lands upon your spirit, right? Grace is received upon the, upon the landscape of your, of your spirit. Now, your spirit, soul, and body, right? When you hear God's word, when you hear God's word, God's word is spirit. Jesus said the words I speak of, Spirit and their life. God is a being who is spirit. He says, my words are spirit. You, the receiver of the words, have a spirit, soul, and body. Words which are spirit from a being who is spirit must receive on a platform which is spirit. That's your spirit. 
But words that land on your spirit are designed to be impressed, like I told you in the series on the spiritual man and the prosperity of the soul, remember? You must impress those words upon your soul so as to renew the soul day by day. So that what is true of your spirit becomes true of your soul. So your soul is brought up to speed with everything that your spirit is receiving from words which are spirit, from a God who is spirit. And if grace is the thing that defines spirit, guess what? A God of grace who is spirit speaks words, right? He expresses his being. Here's, here's the key to tonight's study that you must understand. The being of God is expressed in the language of words. God chose no other methodology to communicate himself apart from the act of speaking. In Genesis, he said, let there be and, and things materialize. So God's word is central to who God is. Words which are spirit, and the, the words give life, right? land on my spirit, then I become a life-giving one. Spirit, because what is true of the thing I receive of God in my spirit affects the state of my spirit. So the first Adam was... Um, a living soul, but the second, the last Adam, the second man, Christ, and therefore we in Christ, what are we? Like he was, a life-giving spirit. Even two now, watch, when we give life to our world, how do we do it? By words. Right? As you speak, you configure and you, you impart life to everyone that, that listens to you. Okay? Now you're getting this, right? So, John 1 would say, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, etc. In Him was life, the Word became, in Him was life, and His life was the light of men. Right? Now, I want to, tonight's study is going to zone in on this one reality. That grace's conduit is God's Word. Grace, the substance, the quintessential nature in God, the hypostasis as we define it, right? the hypostasis in God, that is the basis for the expression of His glory, is His grace. How does that come to me? How is it packaged? What is the conduit? How, how, is, it, how is it sent to you? God is in the heavens. How does He communicate it to you? There's no other way He does it but by His Word. Grace is, I know you all know these things. But you need to know them. It needs to be experiential. It needs to be subjective reality. Right? Grace is communicated and becomes packaged to you, wrapped in words. Right? If you go pick up a parcel at the post office, they wrap it or package it in a particular way. Not so. So if you order some, some grace from the heavens, let's say it worked this way. God sends you uh, sister and I go to your local post office and pick it up. And you're expecting the guy at the counter to go to the back and bring a package out and give it to you. If you order grace, what's going to be given to you are words. Words house grace. Words contain grace. Even now, you know I'm speaking to you. Do you know what you are receiving? Whether you are conscious of it or not. Do you know what is coming to you? Grace. At the sound of communication of words, grace becomes important. Okay? Now this we want to, we want to demonstrate um, from, from the scriptures. We're going to talk about growing and increasing in the grace of God uh, through the primary conduit of the word of God. Now here's the deal. You are the recipient. You are the son. God is your father. He wants to imbue you with his grace. What does he do in his wisdom? He'll send words to you. You, the recipient of those words, you need to have a certain attitude internally within your composition, within your makeup, to receive these words in the right frame of mind for that grace to be received. It's not just because you are in a word environment, a grace environment, that you will receive the grace. You could be in the midst of grace-laden environments, but that grace might not come to you. For though you in the environment 
where pure words are sounded forth. Based upon your internal attitude as you listen to those words, your grace could be flying right over Right? So it doesn't presuppose that you're going to the earliest conference that you will receive grace. You could be in the midst of great apostles yet receive nothing. It's all conditional upon the attitude of your heart, the disposition within yourself as you receive. Otherwise, it's like you're in the midst of great treasure but never get to access it. Never get to touch it. And you wonder why you are so privy to such profound doctrine, but it's making very little difference in your actual life. In the midst of grace, not being received, not working. You know about statements like, oh, this grace is not working for me. Well, precisely, it's not working for you. Because of the attitude, even at that level. Right? So I want to encourage you. For example, it says, God gives grace to to the humble, not so? So humility, we'll talk about various attitudes later. So humility is a disposition that attracts grace to the one receiving the word. Right? Purity is another one. Righteousness. Lord God is a sun and shield. gives grace and glory. No good thing will you withhold from them that walk up. Rightly. The generous person is a grace attractor. Do you know that? He was generous financially. Proved to you from the scriptures. Is the most ideal candidate for the reception of grace. Now watch, I'm saying to us, please listen to the, the tenure of tonight's teaching. I'm saying to all of us, watch, the primary mode of grace communication are words. Grace will come to you packaged in words. But to maximize the effect of your reception of those words will demand certain attitudes and dispositions within you, the recipient, intended recipient of the grace. Otherwise, you can be in the midst of great teaching. It will do nothing for you. Okay? So Paul speaks about not frustrating the grace. I'll talk about these terms in later sessions. He uses phrases like not receiving grace in vain. Not receiving grace in vain. Another place he says coming short of grace. In its proximity, but it not being actualized within your life. Okay? Now we don't want to go there. We want to receive this grace that it must work. Amen. It must make a difference. I'm now at a point in all my studying of the scripture, even in writing. I want to see a thing work. I want to be theologically abstract. Yeah? Some people ask, they sound so theologically profound, uh, erudite, uh, verbose in how they can uh, sound out the doctrine, but the doctrine's not working in their, in their lives. Now it's past. We've passed that place. We become impressed with the way you communicate illogical terms. We want to see things work on the ground. That is the litmus test. That is where that, that is crunch time where it actually comes. Now let's quickly go through this. I've said to you in a nutshell what I want to demonstrate to you now from the scriptures. So let's look at this. How does grace come to us packaged in words? Well, I think that the classic starting point would be John chapter one. We won't read all the texts here. We should read the whole chapter, but key verses are this one. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we saw His glory. Glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Right? For of His fullness we have received grace Upon, upon grace. Now watch. It's interesting. This is a reference to the earthly ministry of the Lord Jesus in his humanity. As a human being, he is described as the word made flesh. So what does that mean? That phrase mean to us. Word made flesh means the word became incarnate. Now, a typical uh, uh, analogy or term to define Word becoming flesh for us would be obedience. He became obedient to the word. The incarnation of the word is the word becoming flesh. Sam Solon said the word must become flesh in your flesh. So whenever you obey the word, you become the word that you heard. Here's the thing. Here's what I really believe. Watch you see, I taught you this, that 
the intention of God and one of the goals of grace is to display God's glory. Not so? According to verse 14, we beheld his glory. What, what are the components of glory? Grace and truth. Glory is the substantive nature of God put on display before men to see. Glory is the thing that you see. Grace cannot be seen, cannot be quantified. You can't hold it. Right? It's, 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 it's abstract in a sense. It's a thing that defines spirit. But glory can be seen because John said, we, we, we saw his glory. Right? So glory is the nature of God put on display for men to see. But the substructure of the glory is grace and grace and truth. Now, I believe this. Watch. Whenever you hear God's word, which is spirit, with the mind of your spirit, not the mind of your soul, you are clean, you are renewed, your spirit becomes enlightened, your spirit becomes substantive by the degree of the nature of God that you have received. Right? You receive it. Your spirit then illuminates your soul and leads your soul in the same reception of grace that your spirit has, has received. When, listen carefully, when in your body you obey God's word is the time when your soul becomes purified. I told you this. First Peter chapter 1 verse 22 and 23 says, Having purified your soul in, obey, in obedience to the truth. But so, watch, the soul is purified in the act of obedience. The spirit is renewed in the act of hearing the word. Jesus said, for example, now you are clean. You are already clean, he said, through the words which I have spoken. You can be in the environment of hearing a spoken word. If you, if you position yourself with the mind of your spirit and pick up the frequency, the sound of words of grace coming to you, it affects your spirit being. So you, you heard the word, you leave the meeting, you go into the world. Now you have a choice to make. My spirit, having received word, must now lead my soul in the act of obedience. The moment you obey what you heard in your spirit, what have you done just then? You brought your soul up to speed in reference to what took place in the spirit. In your body you obey. That's when you put the glory of God on display for, for men to for men to see. Okay? So it's critical that you understand this. That's why for me. The series on the primacy of the Word of God that we've done already. The series on the spiritual man. The series on the prosperity of the soul. And the meditation on God's Word. Those four series. For me, if you want me to put it down to bedrock teaching series that we've done in this house, those four are fundamental to your understanding of most other things in God. Not so? So I want to encourage you to obey the Word. In the obedience of the Word is where... Grace received in the spirit affects the soul, purifies it. In your body you obey. The word becomes flesh. And people see glory, but literally they know the bedrock of that glory is grace. As a, as a driving force that was received in the fabric of one's spirit. A failure to obey. Failure to obey. Indicates Something went wrong in the reception of grace. No man can receive grace and claim to have received it without the ultimate outcome being an obedient expression. Right? You know, I think it's Romans 1 5, where Paul says, To me was given apostleship and grace to bring about obedience. Goal of grace ultimately is an obedient lifestyle. An obedient lifestyle is how you demonstrate the glory of God. But my point being, all of this is going to happen because you received word. The point I want to make here is this, watch. You can never divorce word from grace. Look at the context. You see, words like word and full of grace. When the word becomes flesh, puts glory on display, we can therefore conclude that man, that woman is full of the grace of God. Failure to obey means grace deficiency. Grace deficiency. Right? I'll talk about how Titus was sent to the Corinthian context. Paul used this language. When he comes, he will complete this grace in you. Grace can be completed, brought to its maximum effect in you. So if you're grace deficient, you can be grace sufficient. 
The grace content can come to maximum um, the ideal level that God has intended. I don't know about you, but I want to be grace laden, grace filled. I want to be grace characterized, if you will. When people remember you, they must conclude, wow, remember that fellow in Liverpool, that sister, that girl, that lady? Oh, there were such, such people full of the grace of God. Right? Leave a legacy of grace. Leave a testament of the grace of God. You can't get grace without word. Not so. Now here's a key scripture in reference to this. Key. Paul said in the book of Acts 20, 32, he's talking to the Ephesian elders. He had spent three years, remember, with them. From watch from house to house, not domestic. People often understand that in terms of domestic dwelling to domestic dwelling. When I read that from oikos in the Greek, oikos to oikos. Who is he talking to here? Come on, talk to me. Elders, what elders? Fathers, leaders over households. So when he says, he said, I'll, read, I'll just paraphrase the preceding verses to this. He says, I have held nothing back from you. But for the space of three years, he says, from the temp in the temple, even from house to house, each of you leaders. He's talking to elders over a whole city. There's a massive city like Durban. This is emphasis. Elders, leaders of congregations or household came to an apostolic source called Paul as an apostle talking to heads of households who each of them in their own right got sons that they are fathering. So he, it's like myself relating to Apostle Thamo and other sons in the city of Durban who lead households relating to Apostle Thamo as a primary apostolic source of grace from which we glean. Something similar is happening here. How long did Paul spend with these guys? That's amazing experience these leaders had with, with the apostles. He said for three years, what did he say? Day by day, every day. He said, I held nothing back from you. I shared with you the whole counsel of God. Right? Who liked to have gone to that Bible school? Meeting with Paul every day. Right? For three years, teaching. Right? And notice what he says. Now he's about to leave for Rome here. Yeah? And then you, you, as he said to them, you'll never see my face again. I'm about to die. They, uh, I love the story. I like to recount that they knelt down at the ship. And they were so emotional because they grew attached to you. There was great affection. I'll talk about affection on Sunday. There was great affection for the grace carrier. When he says, you're never going to see my face. Take one last look. This face you will never see. They knelt at the ship before he boarded. The Bible says they wept greatly. Love emotion. What would Paul say to them upon leaving? I mean, this is, what would be his parting words? What does a man say? To people that he is empowered so greatly. He selects his words calculatedly. And he says this to them in a very poignant fashion. He says, now, now I commend you to who? I commend you to God and to the word of his grace. That is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those was sanctified. I like the phrasing of this. Notice, I commend you to God, comma, and to the word of his grace. A commendation to God is a commendation to grace. You can never ever confer grace upon someone without conferring God upon them. Commendation to God is a commendation to his grace. But a commendation to grace is also a commendation to the word. Paul lumps the two concepts together and he calls it the word of his grace. If you're going to get the grace, you can't neglect the word. Uh, the, 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 the wanting of more grace without the packaging word will never happen. And if you neglect the word of his grace, there's no commendation to God himself. I'm in the habit of praying this, you might have noticed. Whenever we send people off here for some reason, commend you to God and to the word of his grace. That he's able to build you up 
and give you the inheritance amongst all them that are, amongst all them that are sanctified. Two things the word of God is able to do. It's able to build you up. Or called domeo means to build up like a great edifice, an imposing fortress to make you strong in the spirit, right? That's what, the, that's what grace will do in your spirit. I want to encourage you. You know, in the age in which we are going, are frightening times. I don't want to frighten anybody, but there are frightening times ahead of us. Scary things are going to happen. Crisis globally is about to increase. What's going to keep us strong, brethren, is the grace of Christ. We're going to have to be very strong in grace. We were at a leadership meeting last night on relating some personal issues. Was, we had to go through recently in the past few weeks. God submitted us to certain things. The Lord kept saying to me, walk with dignity through this. Walk strong through this, through this time. Demonstrate the disposition of the Apostle Paul when he says, I will glory in my tribulations. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And my grace is sufficient for you in moments like these. But you're going to have to be strong, with. We need a built church. If every one of you walk into this building on a Sunday morning, or whenever we gather, you walk in there built up, coming here strong. You impregnate the environment, the texture by the person that you represent. Amen? We we will always encourage the weak. But we've got to get to a place where the scripture says we are strong in the Lord. No matter what we are experiencing privately in life and in the power of of His might. We need to be uh, strong, robust, have have a test in our spirits. Where in the midst of our most severest trial, we are built up people. But the word of his grace is the thing that's going to keep us strong. Paul said, you will never see me. I've been the primary influence in your life, you Ephesian elders, for three years. I've been the predominant influence. I taught your word. I imparted grace. I'm leaving now. You'll not see me again. What can I leave with you that will sufficiently fulfill the same purpose um, that I, I that I executed at the time I was with you. I commend you. I put you near the grace, the word of his grace. Because if you stay near this, you get built up. And then he says, you are able to secure your inheritance in the Lord. See, what does grace do? Packaged in words. When it comes to you, it builds you up. And it gives you access to your inheritance. Right? Now, when we did the... The season first born, remember? We did the inheritance of the primogeniture, remember? What inheritance does the Son of God have? And we, we, I think we isolated at least 12 aspects in the scripture that the Bible lays out for us as our inheritance in, in God, right? There are many. The first two were uh, your inheritance as a son, your identity, status as God's son, and secondly, God your father, as your inheritance. Remember? Other aspects were things like the kingdom, the world, the earth, immortality, uh, salvation, the blessing of, of Abraham, etc. All these things are what will come to the sons of God as your in inheritance. Not so? Everyone's inheritance. Right? Where there's a war, I want to be in it. Right? God has an inheritance for me. First Peter 3 7 says. Husbands, live with understanding together with your wives as the weaker vessel, right? Because she, together with you, you are fellow heirs, heirs of the grace of life. Your, your inheritance is grace, because in grace, you will find every other aspect of your inheritance, right? Oh, please write that scripture down. First Peter 3, 7 is a powerful scripture. It talks about the grace of life, and it says your husband, together with your wife, you can access your inheritance. She together with you, you are both heirs of grace. Right? Grace of, of life in Christ. Amen. Now, interestingly, let me just go back here. The word commend is the word para tetemai. Para tetemai. The prefix in the Greek para. Always means near. Right? Para means near. 
Tetamai means to set or to place strategically. Pare tetamai, combine the two, means to put or to place. So the idea of strategic putting or placing something near someone or something else. When Paul said, I commend you elders to the word of his grace. He's saying, find yourself strategically located in the ambit of the sound of God's word all the time. If I place something, I can place this mouse anywhere. But if I want to teach, place it for a specific purpose on this table. For some intent, I mean, minus I do this here, I put it there. That is strategic placement. Calculatedly, I'm thinking about what I'm doing. It's not just a random placement. When Paul says, "Paratitimai yourself near the grace or the word of His grace," he says, "Don't just give this fleeting attention, but deliberately, calculatedly, consciously." Position yourself under or near the word of grace. You cannot be far from word in this season. To be far from word is going to render you grace deficient. Okay? So always um, expose yourself to the sound of word. I'm hearing word at every possible opportunity I'm getting. Uh, I was telling the leaders last night, I drove four hours to to Newcastle on Saturday and four hours back. So I had eight hours of driving. I listened to 22 sessions of Samson's series on spiritual authority. Right? 22 sessions in eight hours. Also built up. And it was what I needed to hear based upon events that transpired in my personal life last what did I, what I could have listened to music. I love music, as you know. And I do some, uh, at times play music in my car. But now I'm more prone to hearing word in my car than even music. What am I consciously doing? God, if I'm going to want grace, I have to hear the sound of words. Sound of words will come to me. Otherwise, no grace is going to hit my spirit. Now I'm going to find myself having to deal with certain things for which I'm ill-prepared. But if I'm graceful, I can face a significant fiery trial sent to try you. With great strength and a, a sense of robust tenacity that will never topple me. What you need to hear is the sound of the word of God constantly in your in your heart. Um, the room I stayed at, at in Newcastle, I live at a B&B, and I met the pastor, and we had a discussion about the events and how the marriage would go the next the next day. So we had a little meeting, and I had some time, and uh, I just had let me spend some time in prayer. So what I did while praying, I put my Bible program, um, www.biblegateway.com, has wonderful audio Bible facilities. And so it's my favorite site to hear the Bible via audio. It's very really nice, a whole range of options there. So I chose NASB and only year. So I knew I was teaching at the wedding on Ephesians 5, so let me share the whole book of Ephesians. I just let that pray, let that play loud in the room while I was just pacing up and down and praying. And I was amazed. You know, I'm praying, I'm listening simultaneously. Um, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Okay. So I'm listening for keys, and it's amazing. And I'm just dropping nuggets. And I realized, Father, I'm just so free, God. The sound of your word just being read for me is so powerful. One of the best resources you can equip your library with is an audio Bible. Because sometimes you don't have the time simply to. Sit, read, and open the text. And maybe you're busy washing dishes more. Says, Let me get you groups with the book of Second Timothy. While I'm busy, I, you can hear the sound of God's eternal word being blasted in my home. Guess what? It'll affect you, it'll affect your environment, your home environment. Okay? So I want to encourage you to do that with the same. Sound of words. How does faith come? Faith comes by? Hearing and hearing by what is what am I doing? I'm palatitimaying. Okay? Positioning myself near the sound or the, the, the source through which the word of the Lord is is, is coming to me. Amen. So tell him about Para, 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 near. Come near. Don't stay far. Titamai. Position yourself strategically. Amen. Position yourself strategically. Now, you'll see this other phrase in 
Acts 4 verse 13, um, says something similar. Therefore they spent a long time there speaking boldly with reliance upon the Lord who was testifying to the word of his grace, granting that signs and wonders be done by their hands. Right? If you're grace laden, what we're going to see is the expression of signs and wonders. Well, I don't want to focus on that. I just want to draw reference to the phrase again. Here's the phrase again in the book of Acts. The word of his grace. How does grace come? In word. Grace comes packaged in word. Every time you position yourself to receive grace, you're exposing your spirit to hear the word of God. What you hear is going to be impressed upon your soul. In your body, you are going to obey God and you're going to put the glory of God for men to see. When you do that, as you speak, you are a life-giving spirit. You speak word and you bring life to your context. Amen? A life-giving spirit. 1 Peter 1.13. Watch. I love this text. Therefore, preparing your minds for action, being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you. Brought to me. So God says it's there, but it's there's going to not uh, advantage you in any way. That what is there must be brought near. But would like grace to be brought near to you. But the text is amazing because it says, pay your minds for action, be sober minded, set your hope fully on the grace that is to be brought to you. How? At the revelation of of Jesus Christ. This is not a reference to his second coming. When he comes, for what Peter is saying, this does not allude to his second coming and grace will be brought to you. What he is saying is this, is that grace will come to you every time he is revealed to you. Question is, how is he revealed to us? Come on, you know. Through his word, not so. I taught this over three or four sessions in the, uh, the theme on the primacy of God's word. You'll find it on my website. It demonstrates with countless scriptures that whenever the word of God is expounded, who issues forth from that? Who is revealed? Christ comes forth from his word. Any teaching you are exposed to, if it doesn't reveal forth the nature of Christ, is not of God. Christ must come through his word. He's led out from the scriptures. So every time Christ is revealed, it says grace is, brought, grace is brought to you. So grace comes to me as Christ is revealed. How is he revealed? He is revealed every time his word is expounded. Ephesians 3, 8 and 9 says the following. To me, the least of all saints, this grace was given. To do what? To preach to the Gentiles the riches of Christ. And to bring to light what is the administration of the mystery, which for ages has been hidden in God, who created all things. Paul is saying, watch, grace was given to him as an apostle. And this grace in him empowers him to do what? To preach the riches of Christ among the, among the Gentiles. On Sunday I will show you a text where Paul says that to you Gentiles, this grace was given to me for you. Right? Now pick up your hands. You want more grace? Yes. There's a, there's a dynamic of accessing grace that will be never accessed out apart from connectedness. Intimately and affectionately, respectfully and in honor to a grace carrier that God has positioned in your life. Paul was very emphatic. This grace given to me for you. You can access grace generally, that's true, every time you study God's word. And you must consistently do that. But, listen carefully, there's a place in the economy of God where God knows what you need. God knows what you need to get your soul mature. So you position a spiritual father in your life, watch, to watch over your soul. This is Hebrews 13. It says we watch over the souls. To watch over your soul. That person has got a unique grace configuration. Designed to benefit you. 
as he speaks, he or she speaks the word, that configuration of texture of grace is uniquely designed to upgrade and mature you in your sonship by the constant renewal of your soul. That is why joining a church is not a matter of your personal preference. The issue at the bedrock of the decision to join a church is who is the person that God has uniquely endowed with a particular flavor of grace, if you will, that was is particularly tailor-made for me to grow at maximum speed into my own maturity in God. Right? And so you'll find yourself drawn to these individuals. Paul says, how do I communicate this? What do I do? I, you want to say preach. What is preaching? The, the, the expounding of God's word. Through that medium, the grace given to him will be communicated to, to the Gentile nations. So, you know, preaching is a wonderful thing. Woe is me, he said, if I do not preach the gospel. Now, when you come to church on Sunday, it comes with the preaching. Now we come to the preaching. Now we come to the sermon. Don't think like that. You tell yourself, now I've come to that place where actively I'm positioning myself to receive grace. Through the act of preaching, words are going to be sounded for. I'm not so much looking for information or to be educated here. I'm looking for infusions of the nature of Christ to my spirit. It's going to landscape my spirit on that position. I walk out here more empowered to construct my soul to obey God in certain respects. Amen. But it's going to come packaged in, in words. Amen. It's going to come packaged in words. Amen. This making sense to you? Stuff you know, but stuff you need to know more. I, I got a renewed appreciation for these things. One of my favorite, favorite verses in reference to grace imparted through words is this Messianic Psalm. Psalm 45 is a Messianic Psalm. Messianic Psalms are songs which speak of the Messiah, which is Christ. There are songs in the book of Psalms with David and others with living in the time they saw hundreds of years into the future aspects about the Lord Jesus Christ. Call them Messianic Psalms. Psalm 45 is one such song. Talks about the Lord Jesus and by implication, by extension, applies to every other son born in the same degree as he was, as you and I. You are fairer than the sons of men. Grace is poured on your, upon your lips. Therefore God has blessed you forever. Your fairness your distinction. The thing that's going to be notable about you is this fact. Grace is on your lips. When you speak, grace is imparted. At a later session, I will, I will talk to you about how you then, the recipients of grace, in your world, when you speak too, you become a grace transmitter of the grace you receive. But it's done by the, by the words of your mouth. What I'm saying to you, don't underestimate whenever you speak at any forum. You're going to be positioned for grace impartation with or without your knowledge. You're going to affect not just the environment, you're going to impact people in a very, very strategic way. Amen. I took um, conscious effort to encourage my wife in the Lord recently. Uh, this is the uncanny warfare that like you can't believe. I'm talking about water, not, not just warfare, here and there, talking about warfare everywhere. You know, so if you look, this, that, this individual, that, that compound, it was like for the, uh, about two weeks ago, was the first time I felt somewhat disoriented, and I had to bring myself to sobriety so the grace of God would keep us sober. But what I actively did, and I want to encourage the husbands to do this to your wives, encourage your wife in the Lord. It's for your best interest. For what you invest is what you will. Get out, not so. Know the wife say, Hallelujah. But what I did is I knew this is warfare. Right? I knew as strong as I am, um, uh, Lord Jesus, together with me, we are heirs of the grace of life. And so I got up recurrently the past few weeks, three, four in the morning, I pray. I come back and lie in the bed, I'll be the holder of pray over the head. And I'll pray for literally, consciously, this is my wife. Right? No, no devil in hell will touch you as long as I'm around. I'm ahead of my home. 
you know. And I would encourage her, consciously do it. Praise her for serving. Thank her for the person that she is. What am I doing? I'm not just doing it to encourage her. I do it consciously. When I say it, I'm, I'm saying I'm imparting grace. I don't tell her, but I'm not thinking. I'm imparting the grace of life to you as I do this. Adam vacated his headship over Eve. That's why the enemy found the door open. Right? So husbands live together with honor or with consideration for your wife as the weaker vessel because she together with you is together of the grace of, of life. Amen. And so I want you to get and these thoughts were born in my heart as I appeared to minister at this rebounding session that we had in Newcastle on Saturday. The grace of life. Watch. The Message Bible says, I like this, every word from your lips is sheer grace. It's a lovely phrase. Every word from your lips is grace. Words come, grace comes packaged in, in words. And then the NIV says, your lips have been anointed with grace. So I want to encourage you, and you're going to see from Luke chapter 4, how profoundly some of the things I've said to you in part tonight is demonstrated adequately through the scriptures. Don't miss Sunday, because I really trust in God for Sunday specifically, that we will have a strong grace impartation toward the end of the service by certain verbal declarations. Now when we declare over you, we're not just wishing you well. When I say to you, I bless you, may it go well with him wishing you well. I'm imparting grace. I'm imparting something of the life of God to your spirit. Why did Paul start every epistle? Grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father. And the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. What does he close every epistle? Grace be with you. What does the last verse in the Bible close? The last verse in Revelation. The grace of our Lord Jesus with you. Right? These are not just writings, not just salutations or greetings or nice ways to start or end letters. Deliberate attempts of an apostle to influence his recipients or the readers with the grace of life. Recognize, brethren, there's power in your words. Right? So every husband, you know what to do tonight. Amen? What children, you know, I read, I don't know if you read that article in the Concerning who's the great inventor was Thomas Edison? That story that goes something like he went to school and they thought he was a dud. They thought he was he's ineducable, is the word. You know, when somebody's ineducable, it means cannot be educated. They, they passed learning. So Thomas Edison was, by worldly standards, ineducable. That's a very serious term to use, that ineducable. You know, it's like it's like you tried everything that you can't teach this guy anything. Right? And there was another, another old English term that they used where the teacher wrote, gave him a letter, said, take this to your mom. Oh, he doesn't know what, what's in the letter. He gives his letter to his mom. His mom opens the letter. She starts crying. He doesn't know the context. So he says to her mom, why are you crying? She says to him, I'm crying because the school has praised you so much. They say you're such an excellent learner. They don't actually have the resources to take you beyond what they know. You're such a brilliant child. And that was it. So the, the person that was ineducable becomes the greatest inventor of that century, Thomas Edison. School wrote him off. He becomes the brain of his century. In another time, just before his death, his mom passed. Just before his death, he was looking through his mom's uh, stuff, and he finds the note. He finds the note that the school sent to his mom about that this child goes. But what did the mom do? The mom refused to impart those words to the child. Because mom knew what the child represented, and instead of imparting that that the, 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 those negative sentiments to the fabric of his spirit, she chose to impart life. By the power of words. I want to encourage you. You have whatever you say. Now, it's not just positive confession. 
Don't think of it as positively confessing. Now say to yourself, I'm going to confess my reality. I'm going to infuse my environment with grace. But grace is vested or foundation in the word of God. Even if my reality contradicts the truth, I will espouse and speak the truth. Very soon, my reality will have to line up. You know, I believe his, Edison's mother was a powerful, powerful lady. Right? She saw reality and said, no, no, I know the capacity of this child. Okay. That's why grace always takes you beyond what human institutions can. So I want to encourage you. Access the grace of life and impart life to everyone. But it's greater than Edison is here. He is our Lord Jesus Christ. He believes in you more than you believe in yourself. He knows your capacity. He knows that if you receive words of grace, you will rise above your circumstance. And you will become all that God has destined for you to be. You know, grace has got so many effects, subsidiary effects. We spoke about two primary effects. But when you are graceful, you're going to find yourself ruling and reigning in this life. I'll talk about that on Sunday, actually. How grace causes you to rule and reign in this life. Not in the next life. Now. Amen. Grace. 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 Let's pray. Father, I bless your people today. Those of us who have taken the time to come to, to paratitamai, to to position themselves strategically under the sound of words filled with grace. I confer grace upon them now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I declare to each one, to each marriage, to each house, the grace of the Father, the Son, and the sevenfold Spirit of God be with you. I declare to you, you will not be a failure in every endeavor that you position yourself to embark upon. I believe that the grace of life in you will cause you to excel beyond the expectations of what is possible humanly. I confer this grace upon you, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, declares the Lord. And with shouts of grace, grace, you will bring the capstone and the finishing stone to every endeavor that attends your life. You will be successful. It will go well with you. The Lord will protect you from the fiery darts of the enemy. Grace will cause you to reign and to rule in this life. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.